just keep coming back. Hello, and welcome back to Dearly Departed with Abby and Roberto. <laughs> uh, welcome to a, what I think is probably going to be a really fun Beyond the Great episode. Here at Dearly Departed, we are always trying to think of the next best thing, you know. We're always giving you something fresh. Right. Even though by fresh, I mean something that came out about a decade ago. Right. Right. I mean, that's what people associate us with, you know, the zeitgeist. What's new? What's hot? What's on the pulse? You know? um, we are always on the pulse, right? I will say. Um, but freshness in terms of this episode. So we thought it would be a really fun idea to look back at what was a cultural phenomenon for a lot of people. And that is the iconic, the legendary Skins UK. Now, a lot of people might not know that there was an ill-fated um, U.S. adaptation that, like every other show mentioned on this podcast, did get canceled after one season. Do you know how many episodes they did? I believe 10. 10 episodes on MTV. Yes. In 2011. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, the last time we sat down in this room, you know, we were looking at current shows and, you know, kind of... Thinking about the things that in our minds would get them canceled. And now right. we have the perfect opportunity to look at identical pilots, almost. Well, you know, it's a formula that had great success in the UK. It got seven seasons, mm-hmm. like five different casts. How many different casts did they do? Two, a, a new cast every two seasons. Okay. So three different casts. Mm-hmm. Seven seasons, created a lot of stars. Mm-hmm. A lot of people got their start on skins that are now very successful and it just the the uk pilot hits it really does Mm -hmm. tonally it's very much a british show you know they have like their own flavor flavor fast-paced comedic rhythm that they then duplicated almost shot for shot (laughs) in the american show and it just flops so hard. It's honestly <laughs> shocking to see that it got a whole 10 episodes. <laughs> so let's get into it. So for those who don't know, Skins is a British teen dramedy series that premiered on the E4 channel on January 25th, 2007. You know, as as many American tweens do, you know, it feels like you start with Disney Channel, right? You start with Disney Channel and then at some point you want something more. Something that feels less glamorous. So, of course, you make the transition to Degrassi, the next generation. Right. You know, where they're tackling, quote unquote, teen issues. Yeah. And then the next logical progression, you know, the the trifecta, I would say, was then, at least I feel like for for the people I was around, was then moving on to Skins UK. I feel like for our generation, it's the... Disney Channel to Nickelodeon to ABC Family mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. CW mm-hmm. to MTV Pipeline kind of thing. Right. You know what I mean? Like you're growing up, you need more and more raunchy content. And of course, once you once you slip into MTV, the next step from there is HBO. Right. And Showtime. And, you know, exposed breasts <laughs> and buttocks. It's the way the way life goes. Right. But British shows, of course, have different standards. So they can show right. nudity. They can use language in a way that your typical network television in the U.S. cannot. The series was created by father and son duo. That's... <laughs> Brian Esley and Jamin, Jamie Britton. Kind of embarrassing. Imagine having to, to do this with your dad. With your dad and be like... Right, so well, the (laughs) (laughs) dad, so character. I really think that you know they should fuck in a tent. Tony, who's the lead, is like really 
antagonistic toward his dad. Right. That's part of the opening to the show. I wonder if that is a reflection on the relationship between this father and son, kind of playfully poking fun at their relationship when he was a teenager. While reading the Wikipedia page, there, there there's a devoted section in the, like, the, the writing of where they talk about intentionally making adults kind of like crooked, messy, bad. Um, that That was kind of an intention they had in the show, kind of making all the adults a mess. Untrustworthy. Almost as much of a mess as the teens. <laughs> these are the sloppiest, nastiest teens in the world. <laughs> they put Riverdale to shame. They put Gossip Girl to shame. They embarrass the likes of the Degrassi cast, you know? What was your expectation going in? Like, I just thought it was a dirty teen show. Right. A I, I don't know. I think I was thinking more along the lines of Gossip Girl. Okay. Like rich mm-hmm. people having sex. Right. Teens being played by much older actors, you know, like a, your classic 25-year-old playing a teenager, but they like are super mature and have lots of sex. This is not that. Right. I would say the writing, and we're talking about the UK show here, is fairly accurate. Like, it's age-appropriate in the sense that they feel like teens. Right. They just are sexually active teens that are doing drugs and making bad decisions. Right. right? But they're still teens. They very much feel like teens, which only makes it more uncomfortable. And you had previously attempted to watch it and then dipped out. So I'm pretty sure I saw, like, the first three minutes. Okay. Like, five years ago. So, no, I've never really watched it. You were just browsing the interwebs. You saw Skins. I mean, you know how terrible I am at committing <laughs> to any TV show past like three episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I've never really seen Skins before. So this was fresh new for me. Can I tell you what led me to Skins? But it is a spoiler, but I don't anticipate you're actually going to watch the rest of the show. And you don't No, care. I don't think I'm going to. Right. So you guys know that Luke and Noah from the daytime soap opera Days of Our Lives, not Days of Our As Lives, the world turns. As the World Turns was really influential to me. You know, I spent a lot of my younger days watching compilations of their love story. Right. Which of course led me to other compilations, other clips, you know, the things I was putting into Google, into YouTube video. So there's some kind of powerful gay romance on skins that well there's a single scene and well maxi right Right. so maxi's the gay character in in skins uk and um there's a scene later on in season one spoiler alert if you want to watch skins don't listen to this tiny section it's not a huge spoiler but tony is of course kind of obsessed with the idea that um everyone wants him right right the nicholas Holt character so he realizes if i'm not mistaken that maxi one of his gay friends seems to not really be interested in him and this seems to bother him right so one night while his girlfriend is in the room right. asleep yes he goes up to maxi yeah and starts to blow him right and with permission yeah yeah. Okay. And then Maxie delivers an iconic line. I'm not going to try to do the accent. Wow, Tony, looks like you just found something you're not good at. <laughs> His girlfriend opens her eyes and right. sees this happening. Yeah. Um. But of course, watching, you know, being a teen, you yeah. know, watching this scene, I'm like, well, now I have to watch every single episode. Right. To see if there's more right. guy on guy and there's not. Um. I think Ma- Maxie hooks up with like a bully. Who is Why is that such the trope? I'm so tired. I'm over it. <laughs> Some bullies are just bullies. They're not all in the closet. Well, this bully was, and <laughs> they got it on outside. People are having sex outside on skins. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a thing. I like <laughs> it. I'm not mad about it. I don't think that that's something that I don't want to see on TV. Right. So the series ran for seven seasons, as you mentioned. Right. It was a critical success. Right. It was nominated um, for a BAFTA for Amazing. Best Drama Series, which I, as, if I'm not mistaken, it's like their Oscars. The it's the British, British Film and Television Awards. Academy of Film and Television, and television Awards. Awards. Yeah. It was a rating success. A BAFTA. And it developed a cult following. So let's jump into the events that take place in the pilot of Skins 2007. Titled Tony. Oh, it's titled Tony. Well, every episode is titled after the, a character, the character that, that it focuses on. Focuses on. This can't be the only episode that focuses on Tony. 
No, I don't remember how the other ones are. Well, Tony is, of course, played by Nicholas Holt, who is now sort of a big star, I would say. He dated Emma Stone, which was a big deal. He's an X-Men and that Jennifer Lawrence zombie movie. Oh, right. He dated Jennifer Lawrence, not Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I thought he did Emma Stone. That was um, Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another British dork loser nerd. Just don't kidding. you like that zombie movie? What is it? Warm called? Bodies. Warm Bodies. Um, the movie's okay. I read the book as like a tween. <laughs> yeah. And enjoyed it. So Tony is the protagonist of the episode. He is popular, handsome, desired, well-loved. He's cheeky. He's very confident. He's smart. He's playful. He's a little conniving. You know, he's up to no good. He wakes up in the morning laying flat on his back in his bed, which is printed with the full frontal body of a naked woman Mm -hmm. next to the upside down naked body of a man. This is his bedspread. I don't know where he got it. It has, I guess, early Urban Outfitters energy. <laughs> um, it's an incredible way to tonally set the what, what people are about to see. Yeah. yeah, that he's, you know, a dirty, nasty teen whose parents are letting him get away with having a nude bedspread. <laughs> so he does his push-ups. You can see that he takes his bod really seriously. It's the first thing he does upon waking up. Then he's, you know, in his little undies, looking out the window across the street at his adult neighbor who is a woman naked in front of her window, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. getting changed, you know, directly in front of an open window. Love that confidence. She looks over her shoulder and makes eye contact with him. Catches him looking at her. She's unbothered. In fact, she likes it. I imagine this has got to be something that comes up later in the series. I mean, he's got to hook up with this married woman. Like, (laughs) she is, I mean, yes, he's a teenage boy who's a peeping Tom, but she's low-key a pervert that she is wanting this teenage boy to look at her naked. So she notices that he's watching. She basically puts on a show for him. He's staring out the window and he sees his sister sort of stumbling home, looking unbelievably messy, mascara and eyeliner smudged everywhere. She's wearing a thoughty outfit. <laughs> and um, it is, you know, a weekday morning. And she's sort of stumbling home. You know, it's that classic walk of shame visual. She doesn't even seem ashamed, though. I mean, nor should she be. (laughs) Um, But she gestures to Tony to do something so that she can get in unnoticed. So he blasts music really loud to distract their dad. So the dad comes in in only his boxers, also looking messy, and is just like yelling at him. And then she, you know, the sister manages to sneak inside wipe off her dirty makeup and put on her school uniform and act like she was never out. Mm -hmm. So we see that they are partners in crime. They're both, you know, a little bad, a little sloppy. I could never imagine partying that hard and then going to school. I just wouldn't. On a weekday. Yeah. Exactly. I know that other people did. I mean, look, um, I... It just wasn't us. I've rolled into work, right? But that just feels different. I like to, you know, keep business for the weekdays and partying hardy for the weekends. You know, I just like to compartmentalize. Well, I since since starting Sex in the City during quarantine. Right. You know, watching them go clubbing on a Tuesday night. Yeah. It feels right. It feels like you think in 2022 when we're vaccinated, we're going to be going out like four or five days a week. I mean, I would like to. Yeah. I would love you there by my side. Yeah. I mean, we just need the money. Right. And the vaccine. Right. But, you know, you don't need that much money. Because also where we live now, we could Uber a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. So. We also don't have to go to nice places. Oh. I, I mean, that- hopefully not. <laughs> Catch us in 15 to 20 years. <laughs> still, you know. In maybe a worse partying. place than we are now. Drinking excessively <laughs> on a Tuesday night at a dive in downtown LA. Yeah. Hopefully not, actually. If I'm still living in LA 15 years from now, uh, I mean, we'll see. Santa Fe, Santa Barbara, Santa Clarita. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't know what's there, but I don't. <laughs> We've driven through. We just drove through it the other day. Yeah. I, there's just Drew Barrymore eating flesh. Right. In Santa Clarita. That's the only association I have, despite the fact that we've driven through it several times. 
So this is all we see of the sister in this episode, but I imagine she plays heavy in future episodes. She doesn't talk the first two seasons. At all. I'm pretty sure. I love that. <laughs> you know, a woman's place. She's played by um, Kaya Scodelario, who, you know, crossed over and starred in the maybe successful Maze Runner film franchise. Oh, yeah. I she was the female lead of, well. of those books, I believe. Interesting. So Tony is scheming. And the opening He's to the- a teen boy. Yeah, the, the opening to the show is very iconic in the sense that he pranks his dad, helps his sister get away with drinking during the week, etc., etc. And then we get to follow him as he commutes to school, during which he makes three different phone calls and he's just bouncing back and forth between the different phone calls on his flip phone. It's just very iconic. You know, the British accent, the 2007 phone. So he calls a few of his friends, <laughs> one of whom is Sid, who's not answering his phone. Sid is a loser, dork, <laughs> virgin nerd. Yeah. Maybe not a nerd because I don't think he's that smart. But he has glasses. He does have glasses. He's greasy. He has dirty clothes, dirty food everywhere. A dirty mind. Dirty mind all over his bedroom. He's just sloppy. <laughs> It's time for him to get laid because he's turning 18 in a month Mm -hmm. and he's still a virgin. And that's extremely embarrassing to Tony. And Tony can't stay friends with him unless he decides to have sex. (laughs) And he makes that happen. So that's what Tony's up to. He's scheming a way to get Sid to lose his virginity. Right. So we also see Tony on the phone with his friend Anwar, who's played by Dev Patel. I think that this is Dev Patel's breakout role, his first situation. Mm -hmm. Obviously... Arguably, he's the biggest star to come out of the show, for sure. Just given the fact that he's an Oscar nominee. Right. And he also talks to his friend Maxie on the phone, who is gay and a tap dancer. And he also talks to Chris, who is another one of his horny little white friends. Chris is in bed with a girl getting a hand job in the early morning before school. A girl that Tony's already hooked up with and has passed along to his friend Chris. Right, which I think is going to be a pattern here in the sense that Tony (laughs) is leading the pack with the most sexual exploits. Tony also talks on the phone with his girlfriend, or would-be girlfriend, I don't know, a girl that he is hooking up with. Right. Named Michelle. And Michelle's opening is also very special because she's in the bath. Right. I love that she gets up early enough to have time to take a bubble bath before (laughs) school. That's what blows my mind. I mean, I would be Sid, I'd be the one that was asleep. Right. I'm not going to get up extra early for school so that I have time to make seven phone calls and take a bubble bath (laughs) and tap dance. Tony makes fun of her nipples. I would break up with him if I was her. That's incredibly disrespectful. And he implies that she's going to help Sid lose his virginity. So as a viewer, I'm like, okay, so Tony is pimping this girl out. But we later find out that she's not meant to sleep with Sid. She's just going to help recruit a girl to sleep with Sid. Right. From this introduction, it almost strikes me like Tony watched Cruel Intentions as a seven-year-old and decided to pattern his entire life after the Ryan Phillippe character, despite not being rich. Right. Um, and, and just not, not having Ryan Phillippe. Right, right. Right. Yeah, that was something that I was surprised to see. I didn't realize this show was about, like you know, your normal public school kids. I thought it was going to be another one of those shows about the elite. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciated that these are just... Well, that's part of the reason why they're real. so many people gravitate towards the show, right? Like, I think it's heightened, right? But it's intended to be... Gritty, gritty. realism. So next thing we see is Tony at an all-girls private school mm-hmm. singing beautifully... I may add, I fucking the teacher and auditioning for the all girls school choir at this private school that he does not attend. Right. I appreciate that they're establishing that not only do all of the teenage girls want Nicholas Holt, but also all of the adult women in his life want him. The, the character is extremely confident right. and carries himself in, you know, an attractive and alluring way. Um, All of the girls are giggling. Of course, they never get to see boys because it's an all-girls school. Then a girl 
who is super over the top. Tabitha. Tabitha. And, you know, confirms, Tony, you're coming to my party tonight, right? You know, all my friends love you. You have to come to my party. It's going to be totally crazy. We're going to get wild on drum and bass. (laughs) (laughs) That's a direct quote. And, of course, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm coming to your party. Blah, blah, blah. Then, you know, Sid finally wakes up and meets Tony at a coffee shop for them to discuss, you know, the plan to rid the world of Sid's virginity. They have a very sort of tasteless and troubling conversation suggesting that what they're going to do is buy a bunch of drugs Mm -hmm. and get a girl, you know, drunk enough to find Sid attractive and also give her drugs and then she'll be willing to have sex with him. This was troubling. Um, Gratefully, this scenario is not what plays out. So you don't have to see you know, that take place. But it is a troubling suggestion. Now, Tony says to Sid, you know, you're really going to like who you have sex with. Like, you're going to be really impressed with, like, which girl I've selected for you. Then Michelle arrives, Tony's girlfriend. And Sid is like, oh my God, you're going to let me have sex with Michelle? Like, this is the best day of my life. No, of course, Tony's not going to have him have sex with Michelle. Michelle is his girl. Michelle's way out of his league. Michelle is also obsessed with Tony. She gets on his lap. She makes out with him. She grabs his junk in public. Does Sid think a girl who wakes up early enough to have a bath would have sex with a man who maybe hasn't had a shower in weeks? Exactly. Great point. So, you know, Tony tells Sid that he needs to get some drugs because without drugs, there will be no sex. So Sid (laughs) arrives at a brothel in the middle of the day. It's in like a nice neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, He knocks on the door. He doesn't know that it's a brothel. He just knows that this is where he's going to buy drugs. But then a girl in lingerie opens the door. The drug dealer comes in. He's dressed flamboyantly. He has a curly mustache. And... I found him nasty, but alluring. I mean, he's one of the more attractive visuals (laughs) that we get. I mean, I think we're adults. So obviously we're going to be drawn to an adult character. And he is one of the only adults present in this episode. Um, He does grope Sid. (laughs) Sid, you know, he wants to buy some weed. But he doesn't want to pay for it. He says, oh, I thought that I could just pay later. I could pay tomorrow or I could pay in a couple days. And they have a conversation, which I don't fully understand, in which the drug dealer is like, okay, like, if you want to take that risk and take... Well, I think it's, it's okay, if you want to pay tomorrow, then you have to take all of this extra weed and find a way to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So he basically tricks Sid into buying, like, four times the weed that he intended to buy. He gives him this weed for free... But then lets him know, you know, you have to pay me back for this in a couple days. Which basically means... Or I'll rip off the balls I just groped. Yeah, or, you know, I will take your balls as collateral. So this is very disturbing and upsetting. And traumatizing for Sid. And I'm just seeing, like, Sid is going to get beaten down by this show. Like, that's what I expect. (laughs) I expect life to just keep taking from Sid. And do you, you feel sympathy for him? Um, in this scene where he's getting groped by a drug dealer, yes, I feel sympathy for him. <laughs> like, ultimately, do I feel sympathy for every aspect of his character as just like a sad, horny teenage boy who is willing to get a girl drunk to have sex with him? Um, no. You know, I would not be his friend. <laughs> but I still want better for him as a fellow human. Tony wants his friends Anwar and Chris to come out to this party tonight as well. But they are busy because they're going to go to the big gay night out with their gay friend, Maxie. Love that they have a gay friend. Love to see an ally. Especially, you know, teenage boys being allies. It's so beautiful. Well, they are going in the hopes of finding kind of the the straight women that... The straight women who are partying. (laughs) Around their their gay. Exactly. So (laughs) they want to hook up with girls that are at the gay club with their gay friends. Every girl who's been to a gay club has had this experience of getting hit on by a straight man at a gay club when you're just trying to experience a safe space. (laughs) But this is just one of the unfortunate realities of men being allowed access to their brain. Chris is one of my favorite characters, I would say. He dresses absurd. Right. 
He's wearing a, a yellow coat, red scarf. There's just a lot going on here that is such a time capsule and I can't get enough. I really do love it. We are in health class. Chris is there. Um, you know, their, their female friends are there. One of them is a trombone player who we got introduced to at the beginning, but she's not really relevant to this episode. And Anwar is there and they're reading the stages of grief. This is like a health class. They're studying grief. And the teacher, who is a attractive younger woman, you know, in her 20s or 30s, is just openly sobbing at the front of the class um, because she's recently gone through a breakup with the school's PE teacher. Weeping in public is not something that I'm unwilling to do. In fact, it usually makes me feel like the main character. Right. It makes me feel like, wow, everyone must be wondering, you know, what's going on? What happened? Right. Um, In school? Please. Well, she's the teacher. (laughs) She's weeping in front of her class. But we see that Chris is, I would say, in love with her. Mm -hmm. Or at least very dedicated to her. And he stands up and offers to accuse the PE teacher of touching him. The PE teacher who just broke up with or hurt this health teacher. This health teacher. Which... They all just kind of shake off that comment. You know, they don't address it, but it does land as far as jokes go. (laughs) You thought it was funny? I did. I did think it was funny. After class, he insists on carrying her books for her. Right. Well, it's, it's it's a case of in a show which in which all the characters seem to treat sex so... Cavalierly. Right. And who don't seem to... It's just the first instance in which he maybe shows that he act- that one of these characters genuinely cares yeah. for another, even if it's inappropriate. Or... Unfortunately, it is his teacher. Right. She does seem to... She doesn't play into it, but she does seem to appreciate it. You know, she's a sad woman, and she's very touched by this young man mm-hmm. caring so deeply about her and wanting to carry her books around. So now it's party time. Thank God. School's out. You know, who gives a fuck about school? The only interesting thing we learned is that Chris has a crush on his teacher. Sid and Michelle and Tony all arrive at this party in a rich area of town. It's in like a big mansion. Of course, it's this this girl, Tabitha, from the private school. It's her party. And it's time for Sid to meet the girl that is going to have sex with him. Mm Mm-hmm. This is so exciting. I mean, he he should be overjoyed. This is a huge moment for him. This is a huge milestone for him. But he's in love with Michelle. All he can think about is Michelle. He can only pay attention to Michelle. It's honestly embarrassing. Look, babe, Michelle doesn't want you. Michelle wants Tony. And she has Tony. She's satisfied by Tony. So we meet Cassie. Cassie is the messy, arguably mentally ill girl <laughs> Who is going to have sex with Sid. She kind of ends up being, I found, like, the light of the show. I think she just has an airiness to her, a lightness to her, a charm, you know, that I think makes, that stands out from kind of how... You know, it's like the Luna Lovegood effect. Yeah, how jaded all the other characters seem to be. Yeah, she's, she has her head in the clouds. Um, unfortunately, she also has a severe eating disorder. That she just got out of the clinic for. Yes. And she's very open about the fact that she just got out of the clinic. Um, she's also on pills. Right. She loves drugs. Mm-hmm. But, but not weed. She doesn't like weed. So they're like, okay, well, we'll just tell her that this is narcotics this obvious marijuana but of course it would give her the munchies and as someone who struggles with an eating she doesn't want to smoke weed for that reason right so michelle and tony go into the party they start grinding on each other sid goes to the kitchen with cassie who's just arranging cans of food because that makes her feel better the party goes all night long well into the morning this is a weekday (laughs) your point I'm jealous. Right. Chris, Onmore, and Maxie do not have fun at the big gay night out. There's it's like a dud. It's such a dud. It's so boring. There are no girls there. There's not even really any gays there. It's, it's just kind of empty and The depressing. lights are on. 
literally. It's just like a dive bar with the lights on and like two bears. It's just not it. <laughs> so they decide to come to the party, but it takes them hours upon hours to get there. So by the time they get to the party, the sun is already rising and they're already nearing blackout drunk. So Chris and Anwar and Maxie show up at the party as the sun is rising and start a fight. I just think that, you know, they're there to have a good fucking time. And the rest of these stuck up rich kids. Don't know how to have a good time. They don't know how to party. Exactly. Well, the Polish exchange student with the big tits (laughs) agrees because she is now obsessed with Chris and they start making out because she loves seeing him fight because, you know, she thinks he's a real man, which... You know, we love to see. I'm really happy for Chris. <laughs> Since he can't be with his school teacher, you know, that he gets to be with this rich Polish exchange student. Cassie and Sid jump on the trampoline. Right. And she's eccentric. She's eccentric. I mean, clearly she likes to have fun. She's, you know, a little bit quirky. She tells him that she knows that he's in love with Michelle. Michelle knows that he's in love with her. And, you know, she thinks he's really cute, but ultimately she's in love with Tony, even though she knows that Tony doesn't really love her back. Right. So this is probably setting up love triangle of sorts in the future. I mean, I'm sure Michelle and Sid will have something eventually because Michelle sees that Sid truly cares about her, Mm -hmm. whereas Tony is just with her, you know, because she's pretty and because she has sex with him but they don't have the emotional connection that she could potentially have with Sid. Right. Cassie doesn't really care. And she's still willing (laughs) to have sex with Sid. And she's not, as far as we know, drunk. So that's a plus. Right. Unfortunately, they don't, you know, they don't get to the sex, unfortunately for Sid. Well, it seems like based on watching the UK version and then watching the identical US version. Right. That in the scene, in which Tony and Sid are discussing drugging a girl to get her to to take advantage of her. It seems like what they were trying to also say was like Cassie, who likes drugs, will probably have sex with you in exchange for them. Or, you know, like... Like she's already willing to have sex with you. It's not like you're tricking her into the sex. Right. It's more like... She would like drugs. She'd like it if you would give her drugs. Yeah. And also, she'll have sex with you. Right. Regardless, right, it was concerning. No, yes. And I was happy to see that there is no sex between Sid and Cassie, (laughs) because it just doesn't really feel like a fully consensual situation. 100%. So, Cassie says to Sid, you know, we can have sex, but we have to make it quick, because I took a bunch of pills. (laughs) Then she immediately passes out. Right. I was proud to see Sid do the right thing. He just throws her over his shoulder and goes to get the rest of the gang and is like, what do we do? Like, we have to take her to the hospital. The lads, plus Michelle, come outside. It's broad daylight now. The Polish exchange student suggests that they steal a car and they can take Cassie to the hospital and then she can have sex with Chris in the car also. It seems like a win-win. Right. Two birds, one stone. So they all get in the car and Tony, who clearly cannot drive, decides to rush them to the hospital. Cassie is completely passed out and they seem convinced that she is not breathing. Mm -hmm. Chris and this girl from the private school are making out. Yeah. They can't help Cassie. I mean, look, what can they do for Cassie? They have to look after their own needs. They're making out as the car is speeding, rushing to the hospital. They get to the hospital. They're about to bring Cassie in. Tony's like, just, you know, make something up as to why she's in the hospital. Because, you know, we don't want to tell her that we're all, we don't want to tell the hospital that we're all underage, drinking, doing drugs, and she's on a bunch of pills. She also just got released from the hospital. So they, they know her there already. So just, you know, bring her in and be like, hey, look, it's, it's Cassie. She's back. Right. But just as they're about to drop Cassie off at the ER, she wakes up and she's fine. Supposedly. You know, as fine as she ever is. She's conscious. Right. So they take the car to like a bay, like a little river or whatever. And they park the car. And it's time to smoke some of the weed that (laughs) they bought. Um, The giant bag of weed that they owe a lot of money, at least, you know, 900 USD to the drug dealer for they're like we'll sell the weed tomorrow unfortunately we didn't get to sell it at this party 
but we'll sell it tomorrow. But for now, let's just smoke a little, you know, skim off the top for ourselves. So they start, you know, reaching around in their pockets for rolling papers or quote unquote skins. Uh, Title name drop. I didn't realize that that's where the title came from. You know, it's a little play on words, Mm -hmm. you know, the skin of the body and the skin of the joint. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've never referred to rolling papers as skins before. (laughs) I think it, it must be British slang, right? But then they use it in the American version, but it's the title of the show. So I don't know if they're just doing that because they literally just took the exact script from the UK version and wanted to name drop the title of the show. Or maybe Americans do refer to rolling papers as skins, and I just completely missed out on this by living under a rock. Unfortunately, while Sid is bending over to grab some skins out of a bag, he knocks the car out of park. Mm -hmm. And the car, unbeknownst to everyone in it, because of course, you know, they are drunk, they are high, they are on drugs, the car rolls straight into the river with all of them in it. Mm -hmm. This is terrifying. But fortunately, they're all fine. They all make it out of the car. I think they think it's funny. They think it's hilarious. It's not their car. They're just, it's it's a (laughs) stolen car. Who cares? You know, who gives a fuck about this car? (laughs) What they do give a fuck about. They're young, they're wild, they're free. Exactly. What they do give a fuck about is the weed which they've now lost in the car wreck, Mm -hmm. which is going to definitely come back to bite them because they owe a lot of money to this drug dealer. That's right. So we see everybody get out of the car except for Chris and the Polish exchange student that he was macking on. Mm -hmm. Nobody else seems to notice. It occurred to me that they weren't present, but I just, you know, let it roll off my back as, oh, they must just be somewhere else having sex. Right. So everybody stumbles home, some of them barefoot, soaking wet, It's cold outside. It's like we can only imagine what Tony's younger sister went through. You know, what kind of night she had. She's the younger sister? Yeah. (laughs) I'm gobsmacked. I'm gobsmacked. I thought she was the older sister. Whatever. Runs in the family. So they all go home. And we see Sid and Tony laying in Tony's bed under his obscene comforter. Mm Mm-hmm. And it occurs to them, not only are they fucked because they lost this weed, but also they don't remember if Chris and the girl got out of the water. But but they're kind of just like, huh, no, they, they must have. And then, you know, we cut to black credits. That's the end of the episode. I was genuinely not expecting it to go as hard as it went. Mm-hmm. You know, the jokes landed. Okay. They're quick. Right. I missed some of them just because we were watching kind of a grainy daily motion. Yeah. And, and they're, they have obviously English accents. And mm-hmm. then the rhythm of the comedy is very much UK. I used to watch a lot of UK comedy. I don't really as much anymore because I don't really watch that much comedy anymore. And we put on the subtitles during Love Island. We do have to use the subtitles <laughs> for Love Island. I think a lot of people do. I don't think we're alone in that. Um, but it was funny. The acting I thought was good. Mm -hmm. I thought for a teen show, all of the acting landed. But you did find it off-putting. Well, I... I, Only because it seemed like they were going to drug somebody Mm -hmm. for sex. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of anxious about that. Right. And I don't know. It Obviously, like, it can be stressful to watch a show in which bad things are taking place. But nobody seems aware that these things are bad. Especially when it comes to, like sexual violence right Mm -hmm. i'm glad that that did not take place ultimately i did enjoy watching these kids get messy lose some drugs get into a fight at an all-night house party you understand the phenomenon i understand the phenomenon of skins Mm -hmm. and i i thought the opening scene where it you know it starts with tony waking up pranking his dad sliding down the um like water pipe outside his house, peeping on his neighbor. Having seven phone calls. Having seven phone calls. Mm -hmm. I thought it landed, like I thought it was super funny and I really enjoyed that opening. It hooked me. It was an effective pilot opening, which we see from the US version just doesn't translate. (laughs) Right. Well, before we fully leave the the UK version, I just also, I noted that um, Mariki Hardy, I might be butchering that pronunciation, but she's like an Australian writer and TV and radio personality. But she said the show is, quote, beautiful and sad and poignant and perfectly hurtful. 
which that last part the perfectly hurtful i feel like captures kind of that the essence of what the show is like you said like just bad people troubled people doing bad things not seeming to notice or care kind of just thriving off of that chaos It, it reminds me of kind of the similar enjoyment that you get out of watching like a movie like wild things where you're kind of just like this is none of this is okay but i can't tear my eyes away none of this is okay i don't want to tell other people that i'm obsessed with this but it's like i have to watch it there's also something sort of just cringy about the teens on this show that makes them more authentic yeah between how they dress how they talk i mean the only the only two people that are legitimately sort of smooth are tony and michelle and everybody else is feels like has the vulnerabilities of a real teenager Mm -hmm. which i appreciate and i mean as a teen you can understand how it would be a show that you'd want to watch i mean my experience as a teen right was just kind of like desperate wanting my life to be interesting right and relating that to like oh doing risky things drugs doing drugs partying all night on a wednesday oh my god i wish I mean, I don't, right? Like, I feel very fortunate that, you know, anyway. So let's talk about the U.S. version. Okay. What went wrong? (laughs) So the U.S. version of Skins premiered on January 17th of 2011. And it was canceled after three months after the season one finale with, um, with MTV stating that Quote, Skins is a global television phenomenon that unfortunately did not connect with the U.S. audience. And my reaction to that statement is instantly, no, that's not true. Because I do think that Skins connects to a global audience. I think your adaptation, the U.S. adaptation of Skins yeah, did not Yeah, I think the problem is that Americans were already watching the U.K. Skins. So we didn't need. So why would we want a shot-for-shot adaptation <laughs> where you just take out... The British accents and the nudity. Right. Because it it follows the same rhythms as the British show, but Americans can't land, like, British humor the same way. It just isn't, it it doesn't have the right rhythm and cadence in the U.S. Part of the charm in watching the U.K. version is, like, oh, as someone who's not in the uk right like this is what i can only imagine kind of their life is like whereas i feel like they didn't do a good enough job translating what yeah american teens were how they were functioning i genuinely think it would have gone better if they had changed more because the uk version was already successful right so why duplicate it why not just create something along in the same vein but with you know different characters with slightly different events going on in their life instead of just trying to duplicate it exactly and then expecting that to fit perfectly in an American setting when it just simply doesn't. You know what they didn't have? Their finger on the pulse. (laughs) So Skins US follows groups, a group of teens in Baltimore. They're supposed to be in Baltimore. And similar to the UK version, they cast a lot of like amateur actors and younger writers. I was reading how like when they were organizing the writer's room, all of the initial people that the agencies presented to them were like giving them were too polished for the project. So they kept right. having to ask, like, give me your fresh, like, give me I mean, the writers who haven't done anything. It's hilarious that they had a writer's room when they were <laughs> copy and pasting a script from a pre-existing show. Yes. All that all they did was get rid of some British slang. Most of the supporting performances in the US pilot are uh-huh. bad. And that was the first noted difference is that it, it, the acting did not seem natural. Mm-hmm. It felt very much like after-school special acting as opposed to serious acting. I will say that I thought that the guy who plays Tony was good. I thought he had star power. I thought he... I don't think he was better than Nicholas Holt, but I thought he did a good job, and I thought he was the standout actor amongst the rest of the U.S. actors. We open on this on a, a almost exact same shot of the Tony character opening his eyes. He's in bed, except, of course, MTV cannot get away with a nude bed spread. So it's spiders. I love I, I, I love that, that was, that's what the writer's room was doing. Because they didn't have to write a new script. So instead, they were just like, so what should we make his bed spread to have that shock factor? 
Mm. Spiders. Mm. Those eight legs. The spider bedspread just kind of makes him look like he's like a bug nerd. And he's not. And he's not. Right, there's nothing about it. It doesn't have the same effect as the nude. I mean, couldn't they have just done a censored nude? Probably. They bleep out all of the, like, F-bombs. Expletives. Expletives. Um, As the pilot continued, I agree with you. I found the Tony character, played by James Newman, to be a standout. He was given more than everyone else, of course, was to work with in that episode. I think Nicholas Holt, his performance was... Like, I'm self-assured, confident. I know what I want. I know how to get what I want, etc. I think the U.S. actor comes across more cocky. I felt that Nicholas Holt, yes. I He felt more genuine in his cruelty. Like, he felt like he was exactly who he is in, mm. in the he worst. He was authentic. Authentic in, in the worst ways. Whereas I felt the U.S. version, he was having a lot more fun with it. It felt like he was more calculated, more calculating in, in, in the way he wanted to present himself. Yeah. It, it felt more like an act, and I don't know if that was maybe because Nicholas Holt is a better actor, or if that was... Just his, the way this actor played Like, it. wanting a layer of, like, insecurity behind the eyes. Yeah. Um, the dad is far more unhinged. That stands out in the pilot. I think the parents are made out to be worse. I think yeah. the adults are made out to seem worse mm. in general. I felt like the teacher as well felt like... Whereas in the UK version, the teacher was kind of like letting Chris be flirty and kind of just noticing it, but maybe not taking it anywhere. I felt like the US version, the teacher was reciprocating in certain ways. It, you know, like she it, she was noticeably tempted by this teen boy. I found the U.S. version of Chris to be more endearing. I'm not quite sure why. Um, Maybe because he wasn't wearing a stupid hat. That's definitely it. The actor also just kind of had a raspy voice. There was something more innocent in his appearance. He looks younger and more, like, adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I felt that the friendships in the U.K. version felt more natural. There was something about the U.S. versions where there, it, that phone call just felt so tense to me. Which phone call? The the initial phone call. It doesn't seem like they're genuinely friends to me in the U.S. version. I feel like the his his girlfriend is far more annoyed with him in this one. Yeah. I felt like all of the female characters don't like him. Yeah. I think that it comes down to not as good acting and then also just the tonality not not working. The with humor American wasn't actors. hitting. Yeah. Like it just doesn't it doesn't work. Americans doing British humor, it just rhythmically doesn't make sense. It's just not as funny. Um, the One of the biggest changes in the show is uh, gender swapping the Maxi character. So in the UK version, he's a young gay boy. In the US version, Maxi is now Taya, who character-wise is also different. She's head cheerleader. She is still gay. Um, but we get one of the best lines in which she is talking to Tony over her headpiece during cheerleading practice. She's wearing a Bluetooth, um, you know, little mouth Mm -hmm. headphone for phone calls that was hot in 2011 while doing gymnastics. In fact, she's topping the pyramid. Yeah. And Tony says, you ever tell the girls, uh, that you worship at the Coochie Shrine? (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like... What? I love, I, once again, that U.S. writer's room. <laughs> Genius. I mean, what they came up with. I, I will say the Coochie Shrine. Funny. Not taken from the U.K. script. Correct. They did come up with something clever here. I'm not mad about it. Yeah. He says that line. She says, no, like, I haven't told them. And then we see all of the cheerleaders. She's at the top of the pyramid and they're all grabbing her boobs. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Just kind of implying, you know, that that's why she's on the cheerleading squad. In the U.S. version, you know, Chris and... Do they keep his name as Anwar? I think they keep his name as Anwar, yeah. They all they still want to go to the gay club, um, but of course they, they want to go to lesbian night. They want to... Watch girls. Watch... Make out with each other. Girls make it out with each other. Um, I found this Tony. I found his singing abilities to be better than Nicholas mm-hmm. Holt's. He had a nice voice. He sang a really funny sex song. It, again, it follows all of the same plot points. Oh, my God, we haven't even talked about Stu 
who is now Stanley. You mean Sid? Sid. They change Sid to Stanley. Why? I don't know. He looks like a low-resolution Michael Sarah. No, he doesn't. He does. He pull up those photos side by side in the face. They have the exact same face. He has the most. But he's like coated in a layer of like dried semen and crud and depression. He, looks he has nasty. the most depressing teenage boy 2011 haircut where it's like side parted, shaggy, and then like swooped over one eye. It's just, I mean, it's so tragic, but it's also just so effective in establishing how sad his character is. He seems less like a nerd in this version and more just gross. <laughs> Covered in a layer of filth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there's also like a full open pizza box next to his bed when he wakes <laughs> up. And instead of him just having one porno magazine, he has, his walls are covered in porn and then he jerks off to like a ripped off corner of a page with from the porn with the dried food on his magazine face, yeah with dried food on his face like they just up the disgusting factor yeah so similar beats uh one an additional change is that stanley and the cassie character get to meet earlier mm-hmm. um her name is now katie and he approaches her at school she she appears to be in like a home ec room by herself she is dangling all of the knives from the ceiling because she likes to watch them and dangle dangle. and her character is noticeably different she doesn't have the the airiness that she's still eccentric but she's not wistful right she seems more self-aware also Cassie on the UK show seems to just be authentically very quirky, whereas Katie on the US show seems to know what she's doing. Like she's intentionally presenting herself as crazy Mm -hmm. because she straight up says, like, you know, I'm crazy, right? She seems more weighed down by all of the trauma that she has probably faced. Like, whereas the, the UK version, she kind of seems to compartmentalize it in a way that she's not affected she's well she's not aware right right like she's damaged or whatever but she's not really aware because she just has her heads and head in the clouds whereas the u.s katie is more aware it despite having a similar runtime it felt like in the u.s version there weren't as many conversations that were had there was something about it the pacing or maybe it's because we watched it back to back and it was the same episode but it felt like we got to know the characters a lot more in the uk version um there was just more dialogue well i think also because it was faster dialogue they just talk faster yeah and then the u.s version there's more space so similarly the gang goes to a party stanley has a bunch of drugs that he has to sell um i found the tabitha character to once again be the shining beacon she was hilarious she you know welcomes them to her party she doesn't want too much too much amoral behavior because you know the new wallpaper so i thought she did a good job of playing the character the same way as she is on the uk show and just as funny yeah they get bitchin you know they get bitching on drum and bass so the rap music starts pumping the white rich kids are you know dancing it's really funny it's really cringy um the we, drug dealer in the u.s version is just like a crusty old dude in a tracksuit, and it, he is not fun but the set design the set design is more fun in the u.s show of the brothel tita von very dita von Tees energy i feel there was leopard print yeah felt rich uh, I found, what is Tony's girlfriend's name? Michelle. Michelle. She was a uh, very Disney Channel chic in her party outfit. Yes. She had pearls, chains. It was the long tank top. Mm-hmm. Like scoop neck tank top with a racer back over the micro mini bodycon skirt mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with like four necklaces. And seven bracelets. And seven bracelets, babe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And chunky highlights. The, there is no Polish girl, so no one for Chris to hook up with. There is still a fight, but I appreciate that Taya, the the Maxi character, seems to be more of a hothead because she kind of starts the fight. 
you know, I see her throw a punch. She's ready. You know, Chris is more endearing in this version. Mm-hmm. And the gay character gets to be the hothead inciting a riot. <laughs> um, again, Katie slash Cassidy has taken a bunch of pills. She's passed out. They rush to get her to the hospital. She wakes up. She's fine. Um, And then one line that really stood out is while in the car, while they're searching for the skins, um, the rolling paper, Michelle says, um, in one of the worst deliveries I feel like has ever been documented on screen, Mm -hmm. she says, quote, I need to zone out like bad. (laughs) I agree. Me too, girl. (laughs) I wish I could fucking escape my body for 15 minutes. I will say the entire gang is then present for the ending shot of all of them walking through the streets drenched in water. After they've... This time the car that they've stolen is like a huge blackout window SUV. Mm -hmm. Noticeably higher quality Mm -hmm. than the little sedan that they stole in the UK version. Mm Mm-hmm. In conclusion, I think it's pretty clear that the U.S. version fails. I mean, on multiple accounts. I think the main one being MTV's assumption that a show that U.S. audiences had already watched and already enjoyed needed to be replicated shot for shot. I think that you hit the nail on it. Like, if they had given us something different, something new. I mean, it's sort of like if you think about The Office, right? I think that this was after they had adapted the the office successfully for US audiences. So it was trendy and popular to adapt a British show. But the thing about the office is that yeah, the first season which is a more direct duplicate of the UK show, the first season is good, but when the office becomes excellent is when they deviate from the British version and allow the British version to be what it is and the US version to do its own thing. And that's why the UK and the US office are both very different and have, you know, tonally very different comedy. Right. Because they recognize that if you're going to make something in America with American actors, you have to change it. You can't just shot for shot, line for line, duplicate a British show and expect it to feel the same way and have the same effect. I also can't speak to people who are older than me or what their relationship to the internet is, right? But I would assume that by... The people by the time the office had come out in the US, I just feel like the the target audience had not sought out the UK version in the same way that I feel like younger people were already watching skins. Already, you know, looking for well, desperately seeking out the content that they needed. Because it was talk. four years. So skins had already been on for four years. Yeah. So it was too little too late. Mm-hmm. Maybe if the U.S. had been on the pulse <laughs> and adapted Skins in 2007, year right. one, then maybe they would have had some success. Yeah. And they would have had an opportunity to kind of do things a little differently. But it is really funny and crazy to think of how the conservative backlash to a show like Skins, despite people, I feel like, already being over it. But I, I remember, like, it's funny, like, the Gossip Girl marketing, Gossip Girl's not that scandalous, right? right. Compared to other things right compared to skins but the entire marketing was like the nastiest show you'll ever see and like the show your parents are gonna hate and things like and it's just it's really i don't know it's amusing to see it all with the context of of 2021 so thank you for listening Mm -hmm. skins is available on daily motion (laughs) if you want to watch it for free ads and it's a little out of sync (laughs) we're gonna be back soon with another you know full recap of a full show but we've had fun doing some minisodes i'm having a good time follow us on twitter at dearly the podcast (laughs) follow us on instagram at dearly departed the pod make sure to follow our gay queen jojo siwa on all of her social medias do you want to talk about your your new designs Follow me on Redbubble at Grimy Hag, G-R-I-M-Y-H-A-G. I have two designs available on Redbubble. You know, you can get them on a t-shirt, on a tote bag, um, on a face mask, on a sticker. Um, it just, you know, helped line my pockets with money during such a difficult time as we're in right now. You know, every dollar counts in getting me closer to my goals of owning a dresser, (laughs) you know, having 
sheets that fit my bed. Things like that. Having a my seventh asymmetrical top. A seventh asymmetrical top. A desk chair. I'd love a new ice tray. Don't get greedy. <laughs> <laughs> I just want an ice tray that's easier to get the ice out of. Right. I've had a lot of ice tray conversations recently. It's a kind of an epidemic of people. It, it's the real pandemic, to be honest, <laughs> is people having ice trays that are just inaccessible. Just Why haven't I been present during any of your ice tray conversations? I live with you. I don't know, babe. Maybe if you had your finger on the fucking pulse, <laughs> you would know that our shit show of an ice tray is what's been on my mind. And with that, stream Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed on HBO Max. Have a great day. Stay safe. Wear your masks. <laughs>